All right. Good morning, Journey Church. So good, good to see you, and, and I, am just, I am just beyond blessed to be able to be here, and, and I, I just want to brag on your pastor. You know, I didn't actually meet him face-to-face until a few minutes ago, this morning, and uh, it was because of Ken Brown uh, that he, he talked, talked to Pastor Mark uh, about me and about the ministry I'm involved with, and let me tell you, this, this is not a usual thing where a pastor would would give over his, uh, his speaking time uh, to someone he hasn't even met. And so I am humbled, I am blessed to be able to be here, and it's just great to be with all of you. Um, my wife and I actually lived in the Chattanooga area from uh, the fall of 2006 to uh, early 2013 uh, until we went, went to Israel for a couple of years. And so we love this area. Before that, we were northwest of uh, Nashville, uh, with youth with a mission, and so we love. Uh, I love being back in Tennessee, and and uh, so it's just wonderful to be here. And and I want to brag on your on your worship team as well, um, man. I, I tell you, you guys that play drums, you guys are wild men. <laughs> Where are you? Where are you guys? <laughs> you are wild men. And and having just been in Ethiopia, Africa, um, I love seeing the conga. The conga drum, uh, that, that is really cool. Don't see that too often. But, but as, as Ken said, um, you know, e- even the songs that, that were sung this morning were just spot on. You know, I mean, not only lifting up the Lord, but, but spot on for what we're going to be talking about today. And the one song, uh, you know, called Build Your Kingdom. Um, man, that's, that's the heart of God right there. And, and, and the, the last one, I guess it was, Flood the Earth. That's one I, hadn't heard before, and, and that's, that's what God wants, to be able to spread His glory and the message throughout the earth, to flood the earth with His, with his gospel. Amen? Isn't that right? And so, um, well, I just, um, first of all, I want to take some time, um, if you guys want to put up on the screen there, I just want to take a, a few minutes before I really get into the heart of what I want to share today. Um, you know, the only one that, that knew me prior to today is is Ken, and uh, so I just wanted to share for a few minutes. Um, this is uh, obviously me and my wife Jan, my better half, and we have been married. Um, how many years we've been married now? Thirty six years, and uh, since nineteen eighty two, and uh, it's just been uh, a wonderful ride, a wonderful adventure. Uh, couldn't ask for a, a better wife than she has been, and she didn't know what she was getting into, really, when she married me, and uh, of course, I didn't either, but uh, it really has been an adventure, and, and so I actually um, was not saved till almost age 23. I was one who was, you know, grew up hearing about God, hearing about Jesus, you know, typically in Sunday school and all of that, but was was very neutral about God, unfortunately, and was was really not hearing the full message of salvation and 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 coming into a personal relationship with God and and really having my sin personalized to me in my life. Uh, grew up in a, in a denomination. It was very ritualistic, and so you know, for instance, every Sunday it was it was just um, you know we literally would say. Um, you know, that we have sinned and done what is evil in thy sight. And I'd be going every Sunday, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it never became personal to me until I went through a crisis period after I graduated from college in, uh, in 1980. 
1980, yeah, 1980. And then in 1981 uh, is, is when the Lord got a hold of my heart. And so, um, and so my, my conversion to Him, my coming to Him was, was really a dramatic event for me. Going from absolutely neutral to God and hating church to all of a sudden just madly in love with our Lord, madly in love with Him and what He had done for us, for me, and madly in love with His church, which I had hated for many, many years, walked away at age 14 and, and, and hardly ever attended church for the next nine years, but became madly in love with Him, with His church, and, and just wanting to commit my life to Him. And so literally within about six months or so after being saved, um, I, I felt the Lord's call to full-time ministry. Um, at that time, the only thing people knew to tell you to do was to go to seminary, you know, get some training, uh, be prepared for that. And so I did that out in California at a, at a seminary out there. And from there, the Lord's taken us to several different places, uh, back to Colorado where I had had lived for a number of years in southwest Colorado in Durango. He took us back to Colorado to the Denver area. And uh, then as, as a, uh, an associate pastor there, then as a youth minister for a while, then he took, took us to Texas for a short time uh, in, in the areas of discipleship. And, and, and then he said, okay, now it's time for you to pastor. And so we got to plant a church in western Colorado with two people. A woman in her 70s and a man in his 50s. That was it. And so it was quite an adventure for four years, but we did see, we did see some growth. Not tremendous growth, but we saw some growth and, uh, and really enjoyed that four years. Then the Lord took me um, to a much larger church to be an associate pastor there in evangelism and discipleship. And from there, he uh, completely uh, switched gears on us and said, well, now... Now it's time, well actually I should just back up and say in 1991 I had my first chance to go on a mission trip which literally changed my life. And it was to the Soviet Union in 1991 just before it broke apart at the end of the year. And it was there, um, we got to preach the gospel in, in Red Square we got to see many people come to the Lord. We got to hand out 10,000 Russian New Testaments. We got to take them up to soldiers and policemen, go into schools, into jails. We had more freedom in 1991 in the Soviet Union to preach the gospel than we do in America. Believe it or not. And, and it was at the end of that, that special trip that the Lord clearly called me in, into foreign missions. And... Uh, and so, but it really wasn't, and of course I went on numerous trips after that, but, it, but finally in the year 2000, he said, well, I'm now I'm calling you into YWAM, Youth with a Mission, and, and he said, guess what, you're going all the way to Tennessee for that, and I'm like, Tennessee? Are you kidding? <laughs> and so that was a culture shock from western Colorado and the mountains, uh, the, the, the Rocky Mountains, I should say, because you have mountains here, um, to, uh, to Tennessee, to rural Tennessee, north of... Uh, of chat of Nashville, but it was a wonderful six years of uh, training many many uh, young people and older people that came through YWAM and being able to go on many trips and lead trips all over the world 
And, uh, and then, then the Lord shocked me. He moved us to the Chattanooga area in 2006. And six months after we arrived at Abba's house in Chattanooga, um, we started hearing about again and again about Israel, 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 and taking trips there and the church planning trips. And finally, one day as, as I was praying, um, and you can, you can switch it to the next one. Uh, finally, one day as I was praying and saying, Lord, I'd, I'd really like to go on one of the next trips that they go on. And he clearly said to me, yes, I want you to go because you are going to live there and minister there. And after I picked myself up off the floor uh, from hearing that, uh, I was, wow, <laughs> okay. And, you know, believe it or not, I did not tell my wife what had happened, what I had heard for two and a half years. Now, that, that's a story for another time. If you want to hear that story, you, you come and talk to me later. Um, but I did not feel the time was right until two and a half years later, and, uh, but had shared it with some other people, the pastor and some others who confirmed that. Finally, in 2010, we took a trip there, took another short one the next year, and finally the Lord said, okay, it's time to go. And we spent two years there in Israel in a wonderful ministry there called Bridges for Peace. And, uh, but then... Um, then the Lord took us to Clovis, New Mexico, where, where our son-in-law was, is in the Air Force, and he was stationed at Cannon Air Force Base there. And so after Israel, he said, I'm taking you home to family. And I'm like, oh, well, about the only family I have left other than siblings is our daughter and her family. And so I guess that means Clovis, New Mexico. And so that's where we went and spent three and a half years there. And while I was there... Uh, Got, got to meet and become involved with the missions pastor there at uh, Faith Christian Family Church in Clovis. And, and that is where I began to learn about the ministry of Ames, which I believe is the next slide. So if you'll just keep that one up there, of Ames, which as, as Ken mentioned, stands for um, Accelerating International Mission Strategies. And, uh, and so that's... A, those are some very, very key words there. And so especially the words accelerating and strategies. We all understand international missions, but accelerating strategies are very, very key words. And on the next slide, I want to show you why that word accelerating is so important. Because as uh, Peter said in 2 Peter 3.12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. How many of you want Jesus to return really soon? Okay, about half of you. Um, I won't ask you why the others, the others of you didn't raise your hand. That's okay. That's okay. I'm sure you want that too. But isn't that an amazing verse? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. And so the Lord is saying through His Word that we literally, by our actions, by the spread of the gospel throughout the earth, we can hasten the coming of the day of Jesus, His return again. And, and I know, wow, that is something that I deeply desire to see happen. And yet there's a lot that needs to go on, isn't there? There's still a lot that needs to happen. Then the other key word is the word strategies. And, and that's something I'm going to be sharing with you a little bit more about, about aims. Um, 
You know, I was so blessed by um, the missions pastor in Clovis who uh, had shared a little bit about this ministry. He was kind of doing it on the side as he was missions pastor at the church, and he would occasionally share some things with me and what was going on in the world and, and with what Ames was doing, and, and I was interested, but finally, the beginning of this year, he called me up and he said, Dan, I need to talk to you. You know, we, we are losing one of our staff people, and... Um, and this is what he did, and this is what we need uh, done. And every time I think and pray about, you know, who could, who could fill this position, all I can think about is you. Your name keeps coming to mind. And I'm like, so, okay, I'm listening. <laughs> and as he shared, as he shared what God is doing in the world and what, what Ames is doing, I was just, I was just broken and, and just like, oh, my God. And it did not take me long at all or my wife to say, this is what God is calling us into, the next step that He is calling us into. And so, then on the next slide, um, a very familiar verse, one that you all know very, very well. Most of you, I'm sure, could quote it. But you shall receive power, it says in Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, I want to share with you, um, let, let, let's just stop right there. Um, a, a pastor friend of mine um, up past Cleveland, um, I had the, the privilege of, of being with his congregation on Wednesday night, and, and he actually um, had an interview format with me um, for me to be able to share. And, and one of the first questions he asked me was, why is local and global mission work so critical to the cause of the kingdom? And he said, is local and global even compatible? And that is such a tremendous question that he asked. Why is local and global mission work so critical to the cause of the kingdom? Well, one of the reasons uh, was up on the screen. And if you can just keep it there for... <laughs> um, because, you know, you all know this verse well. You know, notice that Jesus did not say, You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Notice that he said, and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So what did he have in mind? He had in mind that we would be involved in all four of those spheres all at the same time. And it's like, really? Well, let's, let's, let's stop back and think about that. You know, when Jesus, even from the beginning of his ministry, as, as, as he revealed himself to Israel... What was he showing through, through the things he was sharing again and again and again? He was showing to, to, to his people that the field was the world. It wasn't just Israel. You know, he did, he did at one point say, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. And first of all, he was referring to his own people, to, to the Jews. But, but also in everything that he shared, he was saying the field that I see is the world. And that's what I want you to see. And obviously, as he shared this verse, these words, with, uh, with his disciples before he ascended back into heaven, that's exactly what he was saying to them. I want you to go into all of the world to be involved, sure, to start in Jerusalem, 
But not to stop there, of course, and, and, and so to begin it there, but also to be, to be reaching out to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And of course, Judea, you know, represents basically, um, you know, towns and, and cities and, and regions beyond our local city or town. And then Samaria basically refers to cross-cultural, say, within our own country. So crossing, you know, into Hispanic culture and Muslim culture and whatever other cultures are around us, you know, or in, in Tennessee or the states surrounding us. And obviously then we understand to the very ends of the earth. And Jesus was saying, I want your mindset, your mind to be set on the entire world all at the same time, while you're here in your own Jerusalem. And you know what's interesting is that was not a new concept. When we look at the Old Testament, um, you know, look at David. When you think about the Psalms, look how many times he, he talked about the nations and the nations, you know, giving glory to God. And, and, and you know, there's so many references he makes to the nations you know, coming to the Lord and, and knowing Him and the knowledge of, of the Lord going throughout the whole earth. Isaiah and many of the, the Old Testament prophets were exactly the same way, you know, as they talked about the nations and, um, you know, thinking about, I believe it's the prophet Habakkuk, you know, when he said, he said early on, look among the nations and marvel you know, you, you would be amazed if I would, to, would tell you what I am doing in the nations of the world. So God's heart has always been for the nations. And that's what he wants for us. And so, you know, it, it's just so, it's so easy for us to, to be just kind of tunnel visioned, you know, just, just on, in our own area, our own city, our own town, our own people. And, you know, of course, I have heard uh, a number of people through the years that when they hear about, you know, anything about missions, they say, well, you know what, that's great. And it's not that I don't care about people in Africa or Asia or wherever it might be. But you know what? We have a lot of lost people in our area too. And my answer to that is you're exactly right. But it's not my word. It's God's word. It's Jesus' word that says go into all the world. And that leads us to the next, the next slide, the next verse. Um, this is one you don't hear quite as often. But I love this, this verse. And this gospel of the kingdom, Jesus said, shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Notice that I have in, in red there, and then the end will come. So he says to be preached in the whole world. You know, th- this, this is what he said at the very beginning of the church. You know, before, you, know, you know, before they had gone beyond Jerusalem, it will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. And so obviously he was saying, I want you to have a world vision, my, my friends. I want you to have a world vision. And I believe that you do. Just the little bit that I've heard, you know, I've heard about, uh, you know, through Pastor Mark and through Ken, um, you know, the different countries that, that you all have gone to. And, and I believe supporting someone with, is it 1040 Connections, the ministry uh, you know, that is fantastic. And so I'm not standing up here saying to say to you, uh, you know, you obviously don't understand any of this. No, not at all. Um, but recognizing that I think I would be amiss if I were just to assume that everybody sitting here today 
is at the same place in understanding the vision for the world that God has for every single one of us. And so, so that, that's the answer to why is local and global mission work so critical to the cause of the kingdom? And is local and global missions compatible? Absolutely. For we are called to Jerusalem and we're called to the ends of the earth. Um, okay, the next slide. Um, this is a tremendous uh, quote that I ran across recently from Ralph Winter, who, who has been a, was a church uh, planting expert and world evangelism expert. The Bible is not the basis of missions. Missions is the basis of the Bible. Isn't that interesting? You know, and, and so that's the message that we see throughout the Bible from, from the very beginning. Um, you know, even with Abraham, you know, all the way through to the New Testament and to today, that missions is the basis of the Bible. Okay, so, um, so l- let me just share with you a little bit more about what, what AIMS, Accelerating International Mission Strategies, is all about in the next slide. Um, this is what AIMS is all about, mobilizing the church. And I purposely put that in huge letters because that's what, that's what Jesus has been doing for over 2,000 years. That is the call that he has to absolutely every single one of us. You know, is, is the call to be a church member? No. Is the call just to be saved and, and bide our time until we are, are able to be carted off to heaven? You know that's not true. But the, the, the aim of aims, the, the, the main focus of aims and of Jesus is mobilizing his church to reach the world. Now you may wonder, now why'd you put that on, on such a bright red background? Well, very specific reason. It's because, um, it's because red represents the word emergency. Emergency. You know, any, any emergency room that you go to at a hospital, those letters are in red. They're not in blue. They're not in green. They're not in Tennessee Vols orange. You know, it's in red. Sorry, it's not in Georgia red either. It's in red. <laughs> and, uh, or Alabama crimson. It's in red that says, we, there is an emergency. There's an emergency in this world, and, it, and it's been here for thousands of years, and it's still going on, and that is that there are still billions of people that have never heard the name of Jesus or had opportunity to hear the gospel and to receive him. And so, okay, well, what else is Ames all about? Well, let me just give you a little quick background here. Ames has a 33-year history of innovative training, networking, and strategic mobilization to reach the lost, the last, and the least people groups of the world. And then the next screen. Ames is dedicated to empowering the local and global church to achieve transformational life change among the unreached by mobilizing the local church and connecting them with indigenous leaders and international partners. Now, that's a lot of words. I'm, I'm going to explain what, what all that says, but that, in a nutshell, is who we are. Um, and then going on to the next slide. Um, this is where it really gets to the heart of the matter. Today, 
in the world, there are 7,087 unreached people groups. That's 3.14 billion people. And nearly 50,000 people die every day in the world, never hearing the name of Jesus. You know, I don't know, you may even want to get your phone out and take a picture of that slide. Or at least, at least just sit here and soak that in. Over 7,000 unreached people groups. This is what grabbed my heart starting back in January as my friend was sharing with me. They represent over 3 billion people that have little or no access to the gospel. And then, of course, seeing that nearly 50,000 people die every day, never hearing the name of Jesus. What, what would you say is the population of the greater Chattanooga area? 200,000? 250,000? Well, what's that? Okay, okay. Well, let's just go with that. You know, but can you imagine? Let, let's say, let's say 500,000 people. Can you imagine 10% of the population of the greater Chattanooga area dying every day without hearing the gospel? I mean, it's staggering to think about, but that is what is happening in the world. Okay, and, and then the next slide. Notice I've got Matthew 24, 14 up here. This, this is very, very important. I wanted to bring you back to it because of one particular word. Let's read this again. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. The Greek word for nations, as you see here, is ethne, which means ethnic or people groups. And then the end will come. So let's, let's reread it with that word. Or those words, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the ethnic or people groups, and then the end will come. Well, in the world today, there's about 16,000 people groups. You and I are, are, are a part of a people group as well. In fact, in, in this room, I can't quite tell from, it's a little bit dark in here, but there's, there could be people from other ethnic groups, other people groups, other than, you know, just one. Uh, but we're all part of a people group. And, and as you just saw, more than 7,000, over 40, about 42% of the world is a part of an unreached people group that has not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Absolutely staggering. And notice Jesus said that this gospel needs to be preached through the whole world to all these, these people groups, and then the end will come. Then the end will come. You know, I've known many Christians through the years that, that just cannot wait for the rapture to come. You know, they just can't wait for Jesus to come and say, we're out of here. Well, you know, I would love that too, but there is one problem. There's still over 3 billion people, 3 billion people on planet earth that have little or no access to the gospel. Now, what kind of a, a loving God would say, all right, that's okay. That's all right. That's enough. Of course, he wouldn't do that. 
And, and then when you look in, in Revelation chapter 4, where it says, where John said, Behold, I looked, and, and around the throne, the throne of the Lamb, I saw people from every nation and tribe and tongue and language around the throne giving praise to our God. Well, guess what? As of today, 2018, there are still over 7,000 unreached people groups that would not be represented there. And that just, that just breaks my heart. And I pray that that breaks your heart. And, you know, back earlier, earlier this year, I got to meet Dr. Howard Fultz, who is the, the president and the founder of Ames, who, after um, starting uh, Teen Challenge in Dallas... The Lord then took he and his wife Pat to Europe and they started Teen Challenge in Europe and saw it spread to over 30 countries. Then he brought, brought them back to the U.S. where he was um, the professor of world evangelization at Regent University in Virginia. And while he was there 33 years ago, the Lord laid on his heart, I want you to commit your life, the rest of your life, to reaching and mobilizing the church to reach the unreached people groups of the earth. And I don't know how many there were back in 1985. Um, I'm guessing eight or 9,000, but it's still staggering that there's over 7,000 still. Still. And so, so the next slide, uh, let's take a look at the next one. So we with Ames believe that the time is now to reach these UPGs. That stands for unreached people groups. We believe that the time is now. And so as you go on to the next slide, I'll show you what, what we're doing about that. Um, notice it says there, Ames advancing, and then light 3500. What, it, what is that all about? Light 3500. Well, this is a goal that God has, has, has placed on the hearts of, of the leadership of Ames. Um, this was before I came along this year, where the Lord said, I want you to commit as a ministry, beginning early next year, for the next five years, to, to, have, to share the vision with churches in America and Europe and around the world to have half of the 7,000 unreached people groups be adopted by specific churches just like yours and, and begin to engage these people groups and to be in partnership with Christians on the ground in or near uh, these unreached people groups in countries all over the world, especially within the 1040 window, as Ken mentioned, and, and the goal to, to do the, all of that within the next five years. It's an absolutely incredible goal, what, what our founder and president calls a BHAG, which I guess in some realms is, is a big, hairy, audacious goal. He calls it a big, holy, audacious goal. And it really is. And imagine if that, if that can be accomplished for half of the unreached people groups to be adopted by churches who will commit to pray for them and, and begin to engage with them. Um, imagine if that happens over the next five years. Well, guess what? I would say then in the following five years, the other 3,500 could, could be adopted and begin to be engaged, begin to be reached, and who knows, maybe the Lord will come back in 10 or 15 years. Can you imagine that? 
I'll tell you what, you know, I'm 60 years old right now, and I would love to have him return while I stand on this earth. I would love to have that happen. And, 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 and it may not, it may not, but, but with all of my strength, I, I desire to be involved in hastening the day of the Lord's return because, guess what? These 7,000 unreached people groups are beginning to be reached. And there are people from every single one of them that will be around the throne, saved and worshiping God forever and ever. Amen? Amen? So, okay, so the, the next slide there. Again, just a little summary there. 3,500 unreached people groups, two, which represent, those 3,500 represent 2.5 billion people and over a five-year period. And so, you know, how, how can that... So the other question is, you know, how could Journey Church impact the world through, through AIMS by being in partnership with us? Well, let, let's take a look. Um, well, actually, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, so, so let's go ahead and stay there. We'll keep that, keep that slide there. Um, I wanted to share this about Nehemiah, a very important concept here, a very important principle. If, if you remember very quickly the, the story of Nehemiah, and when he, uh, he of course, was in exile and, under a Babylonian king and uh, was in exile, or actually it was Persian by then, and, uh, and the Lord was laying on his heart to return to, re- to Jerusalem. And, and he was able to hear a report about Jerusalem and the walls that were broken down. You know, the city was pretty well destroyed. The walls were all broken down. And he went to the king and, and he served as a cupbearer to the king. And, and he made petition to the king to be able to go and to check it out and to begin to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And so we see that, um, you know, rebuilding the wall, he noticed, was too great a task for Nehemiah alone. He needed an army of people to be able to do that. And so as they, as they went to Jerusalem and looked it over, they researched the wall, they, they, they took stock of, of what the situation was and what was needed to be able to rebuild the wall. And he even came back and, made re- and reported to the king and made request of materials that would be required to rebuild the wall. So they researched the wall and developed a strategy. You know, obviously you can't just, can't just go and say, well, you know what, Let, let's all go and, and we're going to go rebuild that wall and yeah, yeah, and then you just charge out, you know, like in Braveheart, you know, charge out and, you know, let, let's, let's go do it, you know. Um, you obviously have to, have to plan, you have to have a strategy and that's what he did. And then, then as they got there and they started to rebuild the wall, notice that each family owned a section of the wall. Each family owned a section of the wall. Well, that's exactly what we're talking about when, when we share the concept of adopting a people group. And I'm, I'm going to spend a good bit more time sharing with you, you know, what that's all about. Um, Mark, how much more time do I have here? I don't want to, don't want to take the rest of the afternoon. Uh, Okay, great. Fantastic. And so, so, so what, what are we talking about with, with adopting? Well, where it says each family owned a section of the wall, that's, that, that is where 
each and every church, you know, even a church of, of 50 people, of 100 people, has the, has the ability to be able to choose a specific people group and, and to say, we are going to adopt them. You know, we've got to adopt a highway, you know, out here on many of our roads where we say, okay, you know, we as a church or we as an organization or maybe as a family, we're going to adopt, you know, a mile or two of roadway out here somewhere. And guess what? We're, you know, we're going to commit ourselves to keeping it clean, uh, keeping trash picked up. And, and so it's a very similar con, uh, concept where we're saying we are going to focus on a particular people group in a specific place in the world, and we are going to commit to them for long term until they begin to be reached with the gospel. And so um, let's, let's go on to the next slide now. Um, okay, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm uh, forgetting where I was on the slide, so let's just put that on pause, and, and let me just, just shift to here. Um, some barriers to world missions. And, and this is something that's really important to understand. You know, there are many barriers that exist to world missions. This is not a complete list at all, but, but it's a very important one. Um, of course, there are geographical barriers. Um, you know, some places in the world that are just very difficult to get to geographically. Um, language barriers, that's very obvious. Um, you know, the, the difficulty of having to learn uh, the language of the people. Political barriers. You know, we all know about that. Where, uh, for instance, in a communist nation, um, you know, where that is completely forbidden, you know, to be able to come in and, and to share the gospel. Then there are religious barriers. You know, we all, we all know, you know, in Muslim countries and many other countries, um, even in, in India, you know, Hindus, there's many radical Hindus. You don't hear much about that. But they too, out of their religious beliefs, they don't want Christianity coming into India or Nepal. And so, you know, they're, they, they persecute and, and they, they clamp down on, on the church, being able to share the gospel. Um, another one of those is lack of vision and burden. Lack of vision. You know, that is probably one of the biggest ones. Lack of vision of, of what God is truly wanting, what is going on in the world, what the situation is in the world. And that's one of the things we do as we go out to all corners of the world and, and we share this vision about unreached people groups. You know, it's amazing. Um, many countries that we go to, whether it's Africa, Asia, India, wherever we go to, you know, we'll ask them, we'll say, are you aware of the fact that, for instance, those in Nigeria, that you have 95 unreached people groups in, in your country? And, and they're just astounded. It's like, no. And how did you know that? Um, and, and I'm sorry I don't have, have it on a slide here, but, but one of the ways we know that is through an incredible ministry that is found online. It's called joshuaproject.net. Uh, and this ministry, for the past 20 plus years, has actually compiled data from, from all over the world, from many different organizations, to be able to come up with knowing... Um, how many unreached people groups there are in every nation of the world, if, if there are some, what their names are, approximately what the population is, um, what their, their main religion is, and then what percentage, if any, are Christian. 
And so just by going to joshuaproject.net, that's something that, that you can plug into. Um, uh, another wonderful thing I have on my app, Joshua Project sends out um, through an app, has, has a daily prayer for an unreached people group for every day of the year. Where if that's what God stirs your heart to do, you're able to just look on that app and be able to pray for that people group every single day. And so, um, and so um, again, the lack of vision, and, and this is all over the world. And then, of course, burden. A lack of burden for those that are unreached in the world. Okay, and you know, another barrier to world missions is poor stewardship of resources. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely staggering to me. I, I don't have exact numbers, but, but, but very, very close. And, and the fact is, um, the statistics have shown that in the church, um, in the Western church, America and in the Western church, uh, basically North and South America um, and Europe, um, the average uh, amount of giving um, from the average church member in the Western church is 2.5% of their income. Well, that is staggering when you think about how the concept of tithing is preached in many, many churches, um, you know, on a fairly regular basis, and that's 10%. And yet to think, you know, among millions of Christians, the average amount of giving is 2.5%. And then, can you imagine what the percentage is of giving to world missions? Well, it's a fraction of that amount. A fraction of that amount. And yet... We here in America, we have, you know, we actually have somewhere around 80% or more of, of the trained pastors and other Christian leaders residing just in America. And yet over 3 billion people around the world are still completely lost. And so, so there's, there's poor stewardship of resources. And the, la- the last one is a very difficult one to have to share. Disobedience, you know, an unwillingness to sacrifice self in order to pray, give, and or go. You know, it breaks my heart to have to share that. And, 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 I'm, not, and I'm not claiming that's true of this church at all. I don't know. I don't know any of you. But just to know that that is a problem in the church of Jesus Christ in many places in the world. Disobedience and unwillingness to say, God, this is not my life. This is not my life. You saved me. You gave me eternal life. Now to be able to serve you and to just say, you are Lord. Do with me whatever you desire. Lord, I am willing to do anything. I am willing to go anywhere that you want me to go. And I'll tell you what, if you want joy in your life, you want peace, you want purpose in your life, then just say that to the Lord. Say, Lord, I am willing To go anywhere, do anything, Lord, take my life and use me. Take my life, and He will do that. And so I, so I would just say, let's not let any of these barriers um, be barriers within our lives. Okay, let's move on to the next one. And I think we're back on track here. We are. (laughs) And so the question was, well. Well, how does this involve Journey Church? How can Journey Church be involved? Well, as, as I've been mentioning, um, um, 
the avenue for this is through what we call UPG or unreached people group adoption. So, so what does that look like? Unreached people group adoption is caring about the eternal destiny of an unreached people group and serving them until they come to know the life transforming power of Jesus Christ. And then the next slide goes on. It's a long-term commitment to parent new churches until they are multiplying on their own and sending missionaries to other people. Let me read that again. A long-term commitment to parent new churches until they are multiplying on their own and sending, it should say, their own missionaries to other peoples. Okay, let's go on to the next one. Okay, we see in in Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5, that adoption is God's approach. And so in, in those verses, it says, God sent His Son in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. Isn't that awesome? That God sent His very own Son into the world to come to us and, and to say, I want to adopt you into my family. That's what He's done for you and for me. And so that's what we are turning around saying, okay, as we have been adopted into God's family, now we want to see the remaining 3 billion people in these unreached groups. Um, but also in our Jerusalem, in our Judea, in our Samaria, we want to see them as well adopted into the family of God. Okay, next one. And so adopting a people group involves several different things. Um, first of all, what we call the rifle approach. And this is really an important thing. What, what we have discovered through the years, and, and I, I have seen this in uh, you know, a number of different churches and, and even you know, churches where I was, um, that, that, if, that the way you could describe their, their missions, their approach to missions is a shotgun approach, you know, where they'll go to this country and then they'll go to this country, then this country and then this country. And then they might zero in on, on one and, and make repeated trips to that one, and which, is, which is tremendous. And, and I'm, not, I'm not dissing any of that. I'm not saying that is a terrible thing. It's all good. It's all good, but it is a shotgun approach. And so what we're talking about is a rifle approach where you're aiming at a target. Boom. Aiming at that target to keep hitting that target. And so, again, not to say that the shotgun approach is wrong, but I just believe that that in the midst of maybe even our, our shotgun approach that we also add a rifle approach where we're pointing at a specific people group, just like I'm pointing at some of you. (laughs) And I won't shoot you. I'm just pointing at you. Okay. Um, Adopting a people group is is a focus placed on the people. Now, Now, that may sound kind of strange. It's like, well, aren't we always focusing on a people? Well, that's true. But many times in the past, we've we've focused more on the missionary that we're sending than the people that they're actually going to. And again, focusing on the missionary, supporting them, praying for them, encouraging them, keeping in touch with them is is tremendous and it's very much needed. My goodness, we needed that so badly those two years we we were in Israel and, and we were very thankful for that. But this is more a focus on the people in that unreached group. It's reaching reaching people is the goal. Um, I think that's pretty 
pretty well understood. And it's a long-term commitment. Not just, you know, we go to this country, we make a short-term trip over here, and and then we're done. And then we go to this country over here. But it's a long-term commitment to a specific people group. Then the next slide. By adopting a people group, it involves greater involvement of the whole congregation as they get involved. As, as you as a congregation agree to adopt a specific people group in a specific place. As, you know, for instance, if you don't have a missions committee, that is something that we can help you to form and even help you to choose um, a, a people group. And so it involves much greater involvement where you can get everybody in the church praying for that specific people group over a long period of time. You can involve the adults, the young people, the students, you know, even even children involved in that, and in many different ways. So it, so it brings about greater, greater ownership within the church, greater synergy as you're all working together. And one of the things that Ames likes to really stress is, is partnership and networking. You know, by no means are we saying, you know what, we're, we're the best ministry or we're the only ministry that's doing something like this. No, God is raising up many that are similar to us. Um, and, and we are all about partnering and, and networking. And one of the things that, that I really love, and, and this goes along with the last point, greater effectiveness. You know, the approach for many, many years, 200, 200 years or so, has, has been heavily focused on missionaries from other countries going to a different land and, and evangelizing and, and spreading the gospel there. Well, the approach now, and this is what God is doing worldwide, is to raise up the indigenous Christians in countries all over the world and for us to come alongside them, to partner with them, and, and to, to give them the vision, to give them the training, and empower them to be able to do the task on their own, and we're partnered with them. And instead of relying on, for instance, many around the world have relied on Western money, you know, American church money, to be able to do the work. Instead, as we share with them the concepts of tithing and, and offerings, raising up their own offerings from within, which many times that's not even taught in many places around the world. But as they do that, they catch that vision, they see that they are able to to support their own missionaries, their own work, right there to an unreached people group that is near them. So it's much greater effectiveness as well. Okay, one more slide. And this this gets into some of the specifics there. I'm sorry there's a lot of words there. Um, um, So let me just read those to you one by one. So adopting a people group involves strategic prayer for a specific people group. I've already talked about that. Giving to support a local indigenous missionary. Um, And it's it's tremendous how, you know, many times... um, you could support a local indig- indigenous missionary, say in Ethiopia, where I was just 10 days ago, um, you know, for $1,000 a year, just a fraction of the cost of supporting, you know, a missionary from the West, like myself. Um, it also involves short-term mission trips to people groups, um, supporting humanitarian projects among the groups. So these are all the different ways that, that your church and other churches can be involved in reaching that unreached group. Evangelism and planting house churches. 
um, long-term commitment until the work is established and they are growing on their own and then partnering with other churches and organizations. Okay, finally, the la- I believe the last slide. So, uh, this, this is what I want to share with you today. D- Journey Church can be a strategic world mission center reaching the lost locally, regionally, and cross-culturally and reaching an unreached people group that has never heard the name of Jesus. Again, I, I absolutely applaud you for the work that you've done with, with other people groups supporting the 1040 Connections Ministry. Um, that's tremendous. I'm just simply adding to that that in addition to that, I believe God would, would call this church to, to adopt a people group and to say we are going to make a long-term commitment to reaching a people group that has never heard the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen? And, you know, I just put forth this vision to you today, not, not to say, well, guess what? Now that I've been here, you have to do this. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm simply here to cast forth a vision and to say, if this touches the heart of this congregation, to say, Lord, yes, we would like to be involved in adopting a specific people group, then I would just say that that we're here to, I am here today to say we would love to partner with you and, and to, to walk you through that process, um, not just to be here today and gone tomorrow. Part of our process is actually um, assigning a coach to each church that adopts a people group and saying, we will, we will uh, work with you over the long haul in, in coaching you along the way as to how this can happen. And so this is the vision that I'm that I'm here to share today, and 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 I just want to, um, as, as I end this, I just want to share on on the table in the back there. There's there's a number of books on the table. Unfortunately, I, I don't have any that I can sell today, but you're free to look at at the books that are on the table. Um, some tremendous uh, books back there, and if, and if you would like to buy one, you can just write your name and address down on on a piece of paper there um, each of the books would be just fifteen dollars which includes shipping um, and and also there's there are some brochures about Ames about the ministry of Ames and 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 I would just just share with you that um, that if you as a church or any of you as individuals um, you know, would feel led of the Lord to support myself and my wife um, in this ministry, we would be extremely grateful as, just like so many Christian ministries, um, you know, it, it requires raising your own support. There is, there is not a salary that any one of us um, receives. We're required to raise our own personal support as well as our, our travel budget. And so if this church or any of you individually would, would want to partner with us, in what we're doing around the world, we would be more than grateful. Well, Pastor Mark, I, I cannot thank you enough again for this time and going to turn it back over to you and, and just say, God bless you for what you are doing here in the Chattanooga area, what you're doing around the world. And if God would so move in your hearts um, to join with us and, and do even more, I just say, praise be to God. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name.